30 separate times about every 10 weeks on this podcast over six years, I picked five stocks. I chose a theme that made sense to me at the time, sometimes sublime, sometimes silly. And then I thought to myself, what are the five best recommendations I can come up with for stocks that fit my theme? Aiming to beat the market. Of course, always to beat the market, the S&P 500. Otherwise, why are we bothering? And then one year later, we review the picks. What was the theme again? And how are the stocks done? And also versus the market. And more important for our learning, why, to our way of thinking, have the stocks done what they've done? So, a one-year review. And then another year passes, the two-year review. And then, yep, we never forget. We hope you wouldn't also. We score everything transparently and accountably because we're fools. You should expect that of us. Then the three-year review, which is often the most telling. First, because three years have passed since I picked the five stocks. So we really can be smarter about what has happened and why and what we can learn. Smarter. And if I've done my job well, then we'll also be happier and richer as well. Second, that three-year review is telling because most of the time we end the game right there. Oh, we'll keep holding those stocks, mind you, and you should too if you own them. But if I kept reviewing all 30 of my samplers in years four, five, six, et cetera, well, we wouldn't have time to do much else on this podcast. So 30 separate times I have picked five stocks, what I've always called my five stock samplers, and we're going to review three of those samplers today. Five stocks for America, five stocks that passed the snap test, and five stocks for the 2018 World Cup. Review them we will with my three analyst guest stars, Alicia Alfieri, Yasser El Shami, and Sanmit Deo. Only on this week's Rule Breaker Investing. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder, David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Hey, it's summer. Thanks for taking the time to listen. A lot of people are at the beach, or if you're an American, I hope you had a great time celebrating our nation's independence over this past weekend. But darn it, if you're here listening to me, that means you are committed. You are a true blue rule breaker. And thank you for joining me. I hope not just this week, but all month, because we've got some excitement. In fact, I'm going to hype it up here. Why not? Let's do it. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to hype it up and mention to you next week's show. Because I'm going to welcome for the first time an external guest and use the telling their stories format, which I hope a lot of you have gotten to know as we've done it several times this year. But rather than ask one of my fellow Fool employees to tell his or her story, I'm going to ask a longtime Fool member to tell his story next week. And the reason for some of you anyway, this will be particularly compelling is because this is a present day National Football League head coach who also happens to have been for the past 10 years or so, a Motley Fool member and a very avid investor uh, himself. So I'm really excited. I'm not going to mention which of the 32 NFL teams this gentleman is the head coach of, but rest assured, he has a great story and I'm excited for this man to tell his story on next week's show. So that'll be next week, but let's let's peel it back here to the here and now and this week. This week, we get to do what we've often called a review-a-palooza podcast. Yep, this is going to be a review, not just of one past five-stock sampler, but three different ones. And as I mentioned at the top, they are five stocks for America, five stocks that passed the snap test, and five stocks for the 2018 World Cup. And for each of them, I'm delighted to be joined by a Motley Fool analyst. And in fact, a number of new voices, uh, some Rule Breaker Investing podcast debuts are in store this week. So I'm really looking forward to either reintroducing you or introducing you to my friends Alicia, Yasser, and Sanmeet. And we're going to talk through these samplers. And without further ado, I say, let's get started. All right. And first up, as we usually do with these review paloozas, I'm going to go with the most recent one first. So it was one year ago. In fact, the date was June 10th of 2020, Five Stocks for America. I'll say a little bit more about that in a sec. But first, let me welcome Alicia Alfieri. Alicia, a delight to have you back to Rule Breaker Investing. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. 
And thanks a lot for putting in some time over a busy weekend, no doubt. <laughs> I, I hope you were still able to enjoy the festivities. I know you spent most of your weekend, no doubt, looking over these five stocks and uh, unearthing your best insight around them. But thank you for that. Of course. Well, and it was the perfect stock sampler to be thinking about over the 4th of July weekend <laughs> since, it, since it is the sampler for America. So It is very true. And we'll talk about the stocks in a sec. But before we do, Alicia, how about one to two minutes, just a little bit of where did you come from before you were at The Motley Fool? And how are you spending your time so far in your first year or so at The Fool? Sure, of course. Um, well, so I, I first discovered uh, the joys of investing uh, when I was in high school. Uh, a high school math teacher came into the room one day and told us, money doesn't grow on trees, but you can grow money. And I loved this concept. I was I was hooked on investing and um, might have annoyed my dad about it a little too much. <laughs> uh, I, I spent uh, a lot of time in uh, the airline industry, actually, on the labor side. Um, and then I was lucky enough to have uh, uh, an opening at The Fool. And I thought to myself, why not go back to that original passion that I have of, of finding compelling companies, researching companies, and investing? Wonderful. And Alicia, I know in particular, um, you've focused on the airline industry for understandable reasons, given your background. But we don't actually have you spending much time with airline stocks, do we? No, no. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm, I'm working with Rule Breakers, um, as well as the ownership portfolio, and I do some work for Stock Advisor as well. Wonderful. And it's a reminder that truly, we, we're probably more a company of generalists rather than specialists. We certainly have some amazing specialists at The Fool, but I think you're going to hear in each of my fellow Fool stories today, as you get to know them a little bit through these samplers, that they're really coming from all different walks of life. They weren't raised by a father or mother who said, stock market, and you must be an analyst one day at The Motley Fool. I think most of us had no idea, including me in our early 20s, where the heck we'd be working or that we'd be here today. Anyway, Alicia, thank you very much and welcome. And Five Stocks for America was picked June 10th of last year. And at the time, I was thinking about, well, it was coming up on Independence Day uh, back then, but I was also thinking about our nation was hurting. Uh, a lot of the publicity around America was that we had done a very poor job with coronavirus. Uh, the numbers were starting to spike again. We all hoped that we could get out a little bit in the summer. And then, of course, the fall came back and, and got worse. Uh, but America looked behind. I'm really actually, in a way, happy to say, Alicia, that I feel as if a year later, we've done a pretty good job as a nation getting vaccinated, getting vaccines in the first place, which we didn't have uh, a year ago this month. But then actually getting vaccinated, I feel like we're almost the vanguard of the world now in terms of having done it as well as anybody else, I think, at this point. So there's a, a little bit of a patriotic note uh, as we start uh, July of 2021. Any thoughts back on that before we hit the stocks? Yeah, I agree. And I was just going to say, I'm so excited to see the economy continue uh, to reopen and have people continue to go back to their lives. It's going to be amazing. Thank you very much. Well said. And I agree. And we're feeling it today. And speaking of feeling it, the market has been feeling it since June 10th of last year. Now, every one of our stocks we compare against the market averages, and the market is up 35.4% since this sampler debuted a year or so ago. And so that is the bogey. That is what we're trying to hit or beat, is to beat the market average. And that's a pretty great year, Alicia. Uh, not every year does the S&P 500 go up about 35% or so, but that's what's happened over the last year. Let's start, as we traditionally do, with the worst performer. So the ticker symbol is ZNGA. This is the mobile entertainment software company Zynga, uh, certainly a stock that I have favored, picked for Stock Advisor a couple of different times. It's done okay. It's up 19.4%, but when the market's up 35.4%, that means we start minus 16 percentage points in the hole. What do you see when you look at Zynga, Alicia? When you first talked about Zynga last year, uh, you mentioned the core value of resilience. And they're still resilient, though maybe this cake takes a little longer to bake or outperform the S&P. And what I really want to highlight here for Zynga is a single word, acquisitions. And there are two sides to the acquisition coin. One side is that cost from acquisition uh, caused Zynga to report net losses in 2020. The other side is that these acquisitions uh, really helped to fuel growth. And we saw this with growth in revenues, with their highest ever revenue for a quarter in the first quarter of 2021. 
pretty impressive. They had um, impressive growth and active users. And some of this was driven by the new games uh, from their acquisitions of Rollick, which added hyper-casual games to Zynga's portfolio, which are easy to play and expected to be one of the fastest growing segments for Zynga. Hyper casual as a lifetime gamer, I have to admit myself, I've never actually heard that phrase. I'm glad that they're making acquisitions in that area. And thank you, by the way, Alicia, for reminding me that for each of the five stocks that I picked, I was tagging it to what I consider to be one of America's five core values, which just for the fun of it, I think of, this is just my own take, as liberty, justice, enterprise, resilience, and kindness. And so this fourth stock, Zynga, was the resilience company. And indeed, it has been a very resilient company since its IPO, which was very hot and then kind of troubled some years later, changing over management, etc. Still a young company, but pretty resilient. And it is up about 19%, which most years I'll take for most stocks. If we could do that every year with every stock, we'd be awfully happy 10 or 100 years later. But as it turns out, this is an underperformer, 16 percentage points. Well, let's swing now from Zynga, which was my resilient stock, to the best performer. And that happens to have been the enterprise stock. And that's Etsy, ticker symbol ETSY, which is also the name of the company. On June 10th of 2020, Etsy closed at $79.81. I'm really happy to say it's just over 196 today. So this stock up about 146%. That's way ahead of the S&P's 35.4% gain. Okay, Alicia, have you bought anything yourself on Etsy in the last year and helped out the cause? Oh my gosh, so much. I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually one of their habitual, which is their most frequent class of buyers. <laughs> That's wonderful. So I, I have to admit, I've used Etsy once or twice. I picked the stock more than I've used it. I deeply admire the company. I love what it does for suppliers and for buyers. Um, so you are classed as a buyer, you're like frequent buyer club or silver level or something? <laughs> no, I just know that based on looking at their their earnings and what they <laughs> deem to be a frequent buyer. <laughs> ah, yes. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So Etsy is the e-commerce platform for the unique handmade and vintage, and it's a powerhouse brand. So if we were to look back at their uh, performance over the last year, you'd be forgiven if you thought masks were the main reason behind Etsy's rise, uh, since they did make up about 4% of the marketplace's gross merchandise sales in 2020. But there's so much more to Etsy than masks, uh, like their massive growth. So Etsy outpaced e-commerce growth by more than two and a half times in mm. 2020. And this massive growth is driven by their, their growing network of buyers um, and those that that um, had high frequency for purchases like me. <laughs> uh, so active buyers increased almost 90% year over year. And even more impressive is the growth in habitual buyers like me, which is up 205% year over year. So pretty impressive growth here. And what I've always loved about this business is I've, I've described it as Amazon proof for a long period of time. What I love about Amazon is you can buy almost anything there, but almost anything you buy on Amazon, which I celebrate, you could buy other places too. A lot of the things that you buy on Etsy, you really can only find on Etsy. And that even includes the very niche world of geeky board gamers like me, because a lot of people bling out components or make better storage for the box. Like you bought the board game, but the the components don't fit that well back into the box. And so people create storage solutions, all kinds of solutions, again, within this very niche world of board games. And so uh, that's an example of Etsy's relevance. And you really can only find those things on Etsy, which is what I love about Etsy too. And that goes for me as the investor Delighted to know that this has been a long-standing sta- Rule Breaker stock. In fact, we first brought it to Rule Breakers. The month was, wow, it wasn't even that long ago. November 2016, the stock was at 13 that day. So seeing it around 196 makes me and a lot of Rule Breaker members pretty happy less than five years later to see the stock you know, kind of a 14-bagger and counting. A, a company still with a $25 billion market cap, Alicia, it seems like it has some room to run. Oh, definitely. And in fact, there's so much more growth to come. So they recently uh, purchased Depop, uh, which is going to allow them to expand their network size, uh, increase their reach within Generation Z, and expand their footprint within the resale fashion industry. So very exciting stuff. 
That's great. So that's been the best performer. And now let's just briefly cover anything you'd like to say about the other three somewhere in the middle and to state them and their performances really quickly. Worst to first in the middle three, Starbucks, the worst of the middle three, up 46%. That's good. Axon Enterprise up 70%. That's even better. Again, against the market's 35% gain, doubling the market. And then the second best performer in this group of five, the Boston Beer Company, which, of course, I made my Liberty stock, the Liberty core value, Freedom, thinking of Sam Adams, up 78%. So I just threw three completely different businesses at you there. (laughs) Alicia, Starbucks, Axon Enterprise, which, by the way, I picked a couple of weeks ago in my 30th five-stock sampler. So this is one of those I go back to the well on from time to time. Starbucks, Axon Enterprise, and the Boston Beer Company. What do you got for us on any of those? Yeah, definitely. Let's try to do a lightning round here. Uh, for for Starbucks, I would say, uh, you know what? The original third place did struggle a bit last year uh, with declines in revenue and profitability due to COVID and closures. Um, actually, they were a bit behind the S&P until around September, and their turnaround was a result of the companies adjusting and adapting to consumer trends during COVID. So they saw that uh, transactions were moving from city centers uh, to the suburbs, from cafes to drive throughs and they took action by rolling out curbside pickout, expanding drive through presence, and making improvements to their mobile app. And really remarkable to think that, I mean, I remember how low morale felt, not just at Starbucks, but around our country last June. There were a lot of Starbuckses that were closed or trying, struggling to reopen. To think that the stock is actually up 46 percentage points from a year ago uh, says a lot about, talk about resilience. Although I made this, of course, my kindness company. And I really do think that kindness is one of America's five core values. I never want us to forget that. And for me, anyway, Starbucks, a company that puts some of its baristas through college, that is a place that you can meet a friend and has been for a long time, a, a, a brand that equally attracts females and males. I, I There's so many things that I appreciate about Starbucks, including many hours and many dollars spent myself. I've done a little bit more business with Starbucks and Etsy. I don't know about you, Alicia, but... <laughs> Great, great. Same. <laughs> okay, good. Great recounting of Starbucks. Well, what, what would you like to say about Axon Enterprise? So back in the original uh, sampling, you mentioned um, Axon as the, the core value of justice. And I agree. And I want to modify that a bit to be transparent justice. Uh, because the growing need for transparency and public safety and transformation and policing is what was really driven the demand for Axon products here. Well said. And again, because we've talked about this quite a lot in the last few weeks, let's move on to the final one. Because if you'd like to learn more about Axon Enterprise and that I picked it for my 30th five-stock sampler just a couple of weeks ago, please go back, dear listener, and listen again. All right. The the last one then, the Boston Beer Company. I mean, I understand people were drinking alcohol over the last year. Is that is that accurate? It is. It is. Yeah. So, so Boston Beer. Um, you know what? I really think they should maybe think about rebranding to Boston Beer and Seltzer because here's the thing. The growth wasn't from beer. It was mm. all from those hard seltzers you've been seeing in grocery stores and Target. Which really says a lot to me. I think I, I think they're healthier because there's less sugar, at least, in them. And But really, what I mean to say is it says a lot to me about the company's ability to adapt and evolve. We have seen not just Boston Beer, but many brands, all of a sudden with their new brands that are their hard seltzer brands. And, and it's been a big and growing market. So always glad to know management doesn't have its head in the sand. Agreed. Agreed. And it's always good to see these flexible, adaptable companies. Thank you. Well, Alicia, a beautiful job just looking over these five companies, which performed beautifully. And let's just go ahead and summarize. Then the market up 35.4% on average. Well, these five stocks from 146% gain for Etsy down to the 19% gain for Zynga, these five stocks have averaged 71 which means we're ahead 36.4 percentage points per stock just about a year later. So it's been a spectacular year for America. I'm going to say that and for five stocks for America as well. Now, a reminder, like most of these games, we play it for three years. So we're not going to pound our chests or celebrate too early or too loudly because a lot can happen over the next couple of years. But at least for the first year of five stocks for America, Alicia, does this get a passing grade from you? I think so. Definitely passing. And I can't wait to see what they do in the future. Thank you. I agree. 
They literally have just about doubled up on the market again. The market up 35.4. My schoolboy math tells me if you double 35.4, that's 70.8. These stocks averaged 71.8%. So it's really been a great year for these five stocks. And Alicia, I hope it's been a great year for you, your first year or so at The Motley Fool. And we're looking forward to working together and seeing you in Rule Breakers in the year ahead. Thanks. And it has been wonderful. I'm so glad to be here. All right. Well, from Five Stocks for America from June of 2020, we go back one year in the calendar. Let's go with the Wayback Music Machine, please, Rick Engdahl. And we've settled now on June 5th of 2019. And the Five Stocks sampler from June 2019 was entitled Five Stocks That Passed the Snap Test. Now, my next friend and I will discuss what we mean by the snap test in a second, but let me first welcome on Yasser El-Shami. Yasser, a delight to have you on Rule Breaker Investing. Always happy to be here, David. And is this your debut on this podcast, Yasser? You and I have worked together some. We actually haven't seen each other in our offices yet, but you've been at The Fool for, I'm going to say, the better part of a year now. But is this your debut on Rule Breaker Investing? This is my first appearance on Rule Breakers Investing, and I'm happy to be here. I have to say I've been a longtime listener of the show and uh, of the podcast. I've learned a great deal. And as you well know, David, it has um, persuaded me, convinced me, uh, maybe helped me see an epiphany that maybe I should change uh, what I was doing for a living and do something that is actually a little closer to my heart and which I'm hoping uh, also I'm good at. Uh, yes, and you are, because you're somebody who picks up things and you're good at them, Yasser. That's what I've learned about you, and you certainly have been a fast study. I would love for you, briefly, in a minute or two, to give a little bit of a backstory. Where did you come from before you got to The Motley Fool? Oh, well, it's a very long story, but I'll try and, and just uh, you know reduce it to two minutes here. I started back in Cairo, Egypt, born and raised. I immigrated to the US around 2007, where I started uh, an academic program doing a PhD in, in political science um, and had a you know a brief career in academia as well as uh, dabbling into the policy world and working on foreign policy issues uh, here in DC think tanks for, for a number of years. Um, until I uh, decided that, uh, you know, this was not really for me. What I really cared about was investing, uh, investing and in particular stock picking, owning individual companies has completely changed my life for the better. Um, and that is a mission that I will take with me to my grave, if you will, uh, hopefully helping uh, people become, you know, richer, happier and smarter as they come to learn more about you know, the potential of picking long-term winners that can create wealth against all odds and uh, and really helping change people's lives for the better. Thank you very much for that, Yasser. And I do want to mention that I first got to know you because you, as a graduate student in business school, that change, that career change you mentioned had you all of a sudden at Georgetown University Business School in the executive MBA program, I believe. But I was meeting you through conscious capitalism events around the greater D.C. area as we started our chapter. So I appreciate that you have a heart uh, for that and knowledge about that. And that's your perspective as well. And, and perhaps as we go through these five stocks, Yasser, we might recognize one that might be a conscious capitalism company, although that was not the theme. The theme was five stocks that passed the SNAP test. Would you briefly summarize the SNAP test for our listeners? The SNAP test is where you have Companies, if they were to just, if you were to snap your fingers and they go absent, this absence will be felt and possibly mourned, in my opinion. Uh, so we want to make sure that those companies are companies that uh, leave a mark, if you will, that they have a strong presence in our society and, and in our lives. And if they were to disappear, that that absence would really be felt. And that is very well stated, and that is indeed the SNAP test. I think I first wrote about it in the Rule Breakers, Rule Makers book in the late 1990s. I've used it for years. I think it guides all of us. If you snapped your fingers and that company disappeared, I love that word mourned, not just noticed, but if, if companies would truly be mourned by those, not just the employees who just lost their job overnight, but how about all of the customers, most of all, all of the stakeholders, and we're going to do better as investors if we are guided by snap test thinking 
as we think about what's our next pick. And so five stocks that pass the snap test. Well, obviously for me anyway, and this is kind of an individual decision for me, these five companies, at least back in June of 2019, felt like that kind of a company. So before we talk about the worst performer, which is how we start these, let's go over how the market has done since June 5th of 2019. The market is up 52.7%. Wow. That is a spectacular two-year performance just for the market averages. Let's hope we can beat that with five stocks that pass the snap test. But let's be clear right now, that is a high bar over which to leap with any stock picks because there are not many two-year periods where you see the S&P 500 go up more than 50%, but this happens to be one of them. All right. With that said, Yasser, let's start with the worst performer. The ticker symbol is LYV. The company is Live Nation. And boy, you talk about a business that got shut down by coronavirus. Live Nation has been deeply affected. Yasser, can you remind us, what does Live Nation do? And what is your take on the stock's movement over the last couple of years? First of all, I want to say that you know the return of the S&P 500 over the past two years is a very high bar to clear. Um, and we should, never, we should not expect those returns to continue in perpetuity, if you will. Um, but so having said that, you know, the, the bar for this uh, sampler has been fairly high. And even so, Live Nation has fallen just below the bar, not by much. So what is Live Nation? Live Nation is a company that works in the event booking space. So if you want to go to a concert, you want to have an event, um, you can uh, either organize it or you can uh, purchase the tickets through uh, Live Nation or through Ticketmaster.com, which is also owned by the company. Um, and, uh, you know, this company uh, has definitely suffered, as you said, David, uh, due to COVID. And, and I'm, you know, I'm glad to say that Live Nation as a company has not really uh, done poorly uh, through management decisions, bad acquisitions, or anything uh, as such. It was really the victim of an external exogenous shock to the system, you know, something we, uh, you know, nobody anticipated, uh, you know, COVID-19, a highly contagious, life-threatening virus spread throughout the world like wildfire. And we have had lockdowns, mask and social distancing mandates, um, and people have basically just started avoiding congregations of any kind. So if you're in the business of getting people together in one indoor location, uh, your business is really bound to suffer <laughs> as a result. And that is very true. And you know, the stock, which I picked at $61.95 back in June of 2019, it kind of moved up to around 70 then as coronavirus hit and became evident in March of 2020 last year that this was for real, Live Nation dropped basically from 70 to 20 in, a, in just a matter of a few months. So to think that it's now back over 84 as we speak, I see it at $84.87, basically up 37% during two years where, well, for about one of those years, it was barely doing business. That is a remarkable, talk about resilience, a remarkable performance. Uh, certainly, the company seems well-positioned to me, Yasser, as things open up. I think a lot of people want to go back to venues and buy tickets. Sometimes I feel like I have to pay Ticketmaster a little bit more for that service fee than I should expect. So there are aspects where I don't even quite love this company. But at the same time, I, I'm very persuaded that if you snap your fingers and overnight, things like Ticketmaster and some of the venues that Live Nation owns and some of the acts that it works with, if those disappeared, there would be mourning. You're absolutely right, David. Um, I mean, we're taking about freakish two years here. We have seen revenues for uh, Live Nation decline from around $11.5 billion in 2019 to $1.8 billion in 2020. That's down almost 84%. Um, I mean, they basically made as much in all of 2020 as they would have done in a month plus in 2019. So the fact that they have survived 2020 and, and now coming back strong is really a testament to the resilience of the business and to the demand for the product. However, uh, as we move forward, and I know there is a lot of optimism for the let's what Wall Street calls the reopening trade. Um, you know, we have to sort of keep in mind a couple of counter trends that might also put a lid on just how successful Live Nation could be moving forward. One of those is that you know we were talking about the thesis for Live Nation for so long is that 
the millennial generation, younger people in general, prefer experiences over buying stuff. Well, now, thanks to COVID, people have become have become much more likely, especially younger people and millennials, much more likely to um, form households, to buy houses. So they are, have to pay that mortgage. They have to pay those auto loans. So there's a, there are a lot of things that are now competing for their, for their, for their dollars, uh, not just uh, experiences anymore. Uh, the other counter trend is that you have some heavy hitters um, like Zoom, like Roblox, which are trying to offer virtual concerts, virtual events that would be a, become a compelling alternative to uh, live attendance. Um, and, and therefore, I think this is one we I, I'm going to watch definitely to see how how they're going to uh, to do over the next year or two. Very well said. And those are important insights. And I appreciate that because while we spend a lot of time with a sample like, like this looking backward, Yasser, you're helping us think forward about this company and really the culture that it's tied to. So thank you for those insights. Well, that was the worst performer for these five stocks. Now we always get to move from worst to best. And the best performer, well, this would be a company that should be already very familiar to my listeners this week because indeed Axon Enterprise, ticker symbol AXON, is the best performer for five stocks that passed the snap test. Well, through its first two years anyway. And we just talked about it with Alicia. And my golly, I just picked it a couple of weeks ago for five stocks pursued by the bear. So there must be something about June. It's not like I pick Axon that often, but for some reason, June samplers, apparently I love this company. Happy to say, Yasser, that we picked it at $68 a share even on June 5th of 2019. These days, it's closer to 175 So the stock is up well, about 157% against the market's 52.7. So this has beaten the market by more than 100 percentage points in these two years. I realize Alicia covered this a little bit, but what have you unearthed or what do you think about Axon Enterprise today, Yasser? Sure. And let me first say congratulations on a very prescient call uh, on Axon when, when you did pick it. Um, this company has returned an impressive 26% revenue CAGR over uh, the past five years. And the cloud unit, which has higher gross margins, has grown a double that rate. So those are very impressive uh, statistics. What I do appreciate personally about this company, and you spoke earlier about sort of my attendance of conscious capitalism events around DC, is that this is a very ESG uh, focused, conscious company. This is a company that cares about stakeholders, but also has a very noble mission of protecting lives. Um, our society does have a critical need for more transparency in our law enforcement, as well as the perhaps use uh, of non-lethal means to de-escalate certain situations. And this company is really delivering, it's really meeting that need uh, in very impressive ways. And, you know, I would also like to add here that Axon Enterprise has proven to be a very agile business, right? This is not the company that, you know, so when you have a company like Taser International, that's the old name for the company, uh, they were making yep. a pretty good product. It was selling. Um, there was nothing wrong with the business. And yet they decided to go way beyond that. And they have evolved as a company to fill every possible need, um, you know, from you know, smart devices to uh, work, you know, workflow management to evidence and data management uh, and intelligence software. So they have continued to innovate. They have continued to create that flywheel effect, if you will, um, where uh, they are able to integrate the hardware with the software um, and really co create a compelling value proposition for uh, law enforcement and other um, entities around around the country and beyond. Well said. And, you know, this just in, and, and anybody who heard last week's mailbag knows the scuttlebutt out there that this company may not just be thinking about law enforcement, perhaps management's thinking bigger, starting to look at adjacent industries where, as you said, Yasser, more transparency could be helpful and the example from last week was the mining industry, which would be a whole new, I, I don't know if it's as big as law enforcement, but certainly a whole new industry for this company to take its product. So a really interesting, compelling situation. I'm glad we were compelled by it two years ago. Find it just as compelling today, optionality being very evident in this company's management and its approach, starting with the taser, moving to law enforcement cameras. Boy, I love what you said about transparency. You know, 
This is a very American week for those of us here in the United States of America celebrating our independence. And I, I, I like to think that we're among the most transparent economies and nations in the world. I still think we have a lot of improvement we can do in that regard. And boy, would I love to take that overseas and abroad. I would love to see as much transparency across all societies as possible. I'm not talking about Big Brother transparency. Often Big Brother obfuscates. I'm talking about open air transactions and being evident, being trustworthy, because at the heart of transparency is trust building. So I really like that that Axon Enterprise has has imbued that in so many of the law enforcement agencies, which, by the way, have needed it. And a lot of people have called for it. And so here we are with a for-profit answer that I think is pretty well positioned. So anyway, a little bit of a patriotic comment here in this week of patriotism for the United States of America. Well, Yasser, thank you. We've covered Live Nation, the worst performer, and Axon Enterprise, the best. So mathematically oriented listeners might start to sense that this Five-stock sampler has beaten the market. I'll do the numbers in a sec, but the other three companies we haven't talked about yet are, from worst to first, the middle three, Nintendo, which is up 68%. That's not bad. Fair Isaac Company up 70%, also ahead of the market. And then Twitter up 92%, a market beater as well. So four of these five companies beating the market. Pick and choose. What do you want to say about any of those three companies? Sure. I mean, it's hard for me to look at those uh, three other companies, David, and especially look at Twitter and feel that there was not a missed opportunity here uh, to have gone for, probably for Snapchat, you know, ticker symbol Snap. It would have been perfect for this uh, five-stock sampler. <laughs> that stock outperformed the S&P 500 by nearly 350% over that time period. Wow. But, oh, well. I mean, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter probably... Um, would pass the snap test uh, a lot easier than than Snapchat would. I'm going to say maybe I didn't pass the snap test here with this one. <laughs> kind of wishing I've never recommended Snapchat, but now I'm kind of wishing I did. That that performance has smoked all five of these companies, maybe combined. Exactly. Um, but Twitter did beat the S&P 500 over that period of time, and it was actually the second best performer. Um you know, there's there are a lot of controversy surrounding that company. There were probably a lot of reasons why people were hesitant to endorse uh, stock, uh, Twitter as a stock initially, but then came around to it. Um, you know, but I think this company has continued to show that it was really a tool for people to communicate, especially related to uh, political news, business news, everything that's happening in the here and now. And it's a more of a global phenomenon. It's not just an American uh, social media company. Everyone throughout the world uses Twitter. Um, everyone, at least I know of, uh, uses Twitter, including in Egypt. And, you know, and it has just been a very impressive company. The other company I would really like to uh, talk about here is Nintendo, which to me is a very impressive, vertically integrated Japanese video gaming uh, company that develops their own games in-house as well as make the platform on which these games uh, are played in-house as well. And this company is, you know, to me, the international equivalent of Disney. And I think you once called it, the Disney of the East, um, I believe it. So, you know, it creates lovable characters, fantastical realms that capture our Im imagination. And like Disney also, both kids and adults enjoy their products. So the only surprise I had with Nintendo is that it had not outperformed by even more. Um, and that perhaps shows that there is still room for upside. There is room for optionality in that business. They have a wealth of IP um, that can be utilized uh, to create theme parks, to create entertainment of all sorts, like Disney. Um, and uh, perhaps they're just only now getting started. That's a really good insight. And indeed, as we picked Nintendo for Motley Fool Stock Advisor, you're remembering the thinking and reminding us of the write-up. And thank you for that, Yasser. And I do think it, it, there is an opportunity. Now, the theme park business hasn't been a great business to be in the last year or two for very obvious reasons. But boy, if it doesn't seem like Nintendo has created uh, universally recognized and beloved characters. When you said you also wanted to talk about Nintendo, I found myself just smiling. Nintendo just makes me smile. I'm a gamer. I I was I raised my kids a little bit on some of the Nintendo characters. 
characters and we're halfway across the world from Japan. So I really do think that there is more optionality there and we'll see how well management handles that. Let me mention, by the way, just in lieu of news just this week, we were talking earlier about transparency and I was reading in the Economist Espresso app a one-paragraph summary this morning. I haven't gone deep on it, but it's worth noting that Twitter... I read, lost liability protection against user-generated content in India uh, this week following a court ruling. The government's repeatedly criticized the company for failing to comply with rules introduced in May that require social media firms to appoint compliance officers and swiftly respond to legal requests to remove users' posts. The company's previously said it was making all efforts to comply. Well, I don't know enough to say who's right in that situation, but I do know enough to say That's one of the reasons Twitter is a snap test company, because when you start making worldwide headlines for how important what you're doing or not doing is, that's actually a pretty good indicator, I think, for us as stock market investors. And indeed, Twitter, as just about a double over these last two years, has been a great stock to be in. All right. Well, take it all in all, the stock market, as I mentioned, up 52.7% from June 5th of 2019. These five stocks from The worst performer, Live Nation, up about 37% to the best, Axon, up about 157%. These five stocks have averaged an 84.9% gain. That is 32.2 percentage points per stock ahead of the market averages. That's been a really good sampler. And I'm glad, Yasser, that this one's worked out because I've kind of put myself out there with a snap test, right? If you're going to write about it a few decades ago and then use it to guide you, and then you're going to brand just almost a random group of five stocks two years ago with this brand, it's kind of carrying a brand here. So I'm glad to know we're beating the market handily, at least after the first two years. Any final thoughts from you, Yasser El-Shami, on the snap test or life in general? Yes, I believe the snap test is a strong methodology that many investors should actually use when evaluating companies that they're about to recommend or about to buy personally. I, you know, as an analyst, I have um, developed my own checklist of, of, of items that I look for when I evaluate companies. However, having read and studied and listened to you talking about the snap test over the years, I realized that I need to also compile my own snap list, and that's exactly what I've been doing. Um, And so every year or so, I I write five companies uh, that I think should stand the snap test, um, you know, in five to 10 years, and I keep track. So thank you, David, for introducing this concept to us and, uh, and really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Yasser, and thank you for pointing out that Snapchat greater than sign Snap test at least over the last two years because what a comeback for the team over there at Snap. But uh, thank you for that insight as well and for for all that work and full on, full on. All right, well, it's time to make the Wayback Music Machine hum one more time. And here we are. It's July fourth of two thousand eighteen. Now, while that was a holiday here in the United States, it was worldwide the time of the World Cup. It was the 2018 World Cup, so I had World Cup on my mind as I thought about five stocks to celebrate the 2018 World Cup, which I was really enjoying at the time. And I'm one of those people who really only tunes into soccer or football, if you will, about once every four years. For the men's and the women's World Cup, I tend to get compelled by the World Cup I admittedly don't spend a lot of time watching soccer outside of that, uh, but it was fun to pick this five-stock sampler. And here with me to review these five stocks, my friend Sanmit Deo. Sanmit, so good to be with you. Hi, David. How are you? Great to be here. I'm doing really well. And you know, I knew which three samplers we would be covering this week because I have it in the spreadsheet, but I didn't know which would be assigned to which of you. So I just kind of randomized. So Alicia got five stocks for America and Yasser got five stocks to pass the snap test. When I randomly sent you these five stocks to cover, Sammy, you told me you're a soccer fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm i mostly football and basketball, but I love soccer. I, I, I studied abroad in Italy, actually. And so that's where my love ah. of soccer kind of grew from on the world stage. So I try to watch the World Cup as much, as often as I can, and it's exciting. And now I'm watching the, the Euro Cup as it's playing out. 
and I've watched some of it too, and it is. So I maybe it's that I just don't like the regular season. Like, just give me the postseason or the tournaments, and I'll watch your sport, almost whatever your sport is. Well, Sammy, let's talk a little bit before we get to these five stocks about your background. We heard some from Alicia, where she had come from, some from Yasser, where he had. Where were you, I'm just going to ask you arbitrarily, 10 years ago, and I know you're at The Motley Fool today, where you've worked for us maybe for six or eight months. I'm making that up. But tell us a little bit about where you came from. Yeah, so 10 years ago, I was actually at working at an investment firm. Um, this is 2011. Yeah, so I was working at a growth stock investment firm. Um, and then after that, I worked at a value investment firm. So I've been on both sides of the spectrum huh. in terms of investing. So, But always been a Motley Fool member, fan. I've been reading since AOL days to date myself. Wow. But, uh, yeah. So uh, I remember logging on there, just learning about mutual funds and 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 just personal finance. And, and that's kind of where my love of finance grew. Actually, I was a I was a pre-med student in college and huh. I switched to to pre-med and business. And then eventually I just dropped the pre-med and decided to stick with business. And I mean, it's you know, a little bit of an easier route through school. Can we agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I did it before taking the MCAT or, or going too hard in, although I had two pre-med classes left to go to finish. So wow. it was a little late, but I, it's okay. I guess to make up for it, so I mean, you married a physician. Yeah, that's it. I did the better. I took the better route. <laughs> Marry the person who goes all the way through pre-med and then just keeps going. Exactly. Not a bad approach to life. Now, I know you're a sports fan because I, I'm pretty sure you're a University of Texas grad or at least fan, but probably yep. grad too. Is that right? Oh, yeah. I'm a uh, grad of the University of Texas and I'm a huge Texas Longhorn fan. In fact, my TMF name is TMF Horns. Okay, good. Hook 'em horns. I'm I'm with you on on the burn orange. I've always been a fan of Texas. It's fun. Yeah. Um, we 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 got your football coach back, Mac Brown. You did. You, you stole him from us, and then we got him back, and we're we're now a top twenty team again. I wonder why. Yeah, but, he's uh, he's great. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, two big state universities that we both hail from. Although based on your name, Sanmeet, I'm assuming you're of Indian descent, and or do you have some family still back in India? Yes, I do actually. My my parents were brought up, born, brought up in India, um, and. Pretty much all my family is is in India. I have a couple of cousins here in the United States, wow. but all my family is is in India. Do you get back from time to time? And would you like to identify where they are? Big city somewhere? It's actually a big city now. It's called Pune, which is just out like a couple hours away from Mumbai, which is the the big city that mm-hmm. everyone knows about. And I haven't been in a long, long time. Um, obviously, it's been hard to travel the past couple of years. And also, sure. my, my wife and I had kids, so it was a little difficult to travel <laughs> when they were very young. <laughs> yeah, But um, used to go when I was younger, saw my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, and and just enjoyed spending time there when I was younger as well. Excellent. And before we get into these five stocks kind of celebrating sports, would you like to share your greatest personal moment in sports? Were you a high school football player? Did you hit that big home run in Little League? When did you peak, me? <laughs> In sports, I will say I I did play high school. I hate to sound like Al Bundy here, but I did play uh, (laughs) high school football in Texas. uh, And I think our peak was when we beat our rival school. Um, I went to Taylor High School and we played Katie High School, which was a perennial state contender. And my Mm. senior year, we beat them. I didn't play, but we beat them. And it was awesome. It was just a great feeling. I bet. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Let's get into these stocks now. Five stocks celebrating the 2018 World Cup. Well, we've already heard the market's done pretty well the last few years. Hope you didn't need to hear from this podcast. Hope you were already aware of that, dear listener. But yep, the market has been strong. Uh, Three years ago, July 4th, 2018, the market since then measured as, of course, the S&P 500 up 59.7%. So 60 percentage points. Let's just round it and keep things simple. Pretty great three years for stocks. Happy to say these stocks might have done even better, but no spoilers yet. Let's start, Sanmeet, with the worst of the five stocks celebrating the 2018 World Cup. It happens to be the company that helps me get in the game, the company that makes the FIFA video games, among others, Electronic Arts, ticker symbol EA, EA up 1.2%. So we've held three years now. It's up 1%. Mark is up 60%. Sami, what's going on? Well, I mean, it's great to have a, a sampler where the, the worst performer is still up 
in absolute terms. So that's that's pretty awesome. You know, True Electronic that. Arts is known for its sports games. Um, uh, they are that's a staple of their of their you know of their business with you know titles like Madden, FIFA, some some others um, in the sporting area. One of the things that they've kind of I don't want to say stumble, but, but some concerns were in terms of their creation of action and adventure games. And they had some early on in the in the in the in the stock picks life throughout mm-hmm. the sampler period. It had some lackluster results in in the live services business. It had some cancellations and delays in some of their games. One was Battlefield Five. One was a Star Wars game. Um, but I have to say, one of the biggest challenges I think from this time is a game that we all probably have heard of is Fortnite. And that is mm. a hugely popular game with massive appeal that's able to generate a ton of revenue without even the need for a lot of costly development. And so that kind of shift in gaming did hurt electronic arts in the sense that they didn't have a strong action and adventure business. And so that that did kind of hurt them a little early on, but then they're starting to get in gear. You know, the pandemic was a tailwind in terms of gameplay. They released a popular game called Apex Legends, which surpassed 10 million players in its first 72 hours. Uh, And they've continued their steady performance in their sports games. And now it's aggressively pursuing acquisitions in the mobile game space with purchase of Glue Mobile and Playdemic. Um, So even with the challenges and the fact that the stocks underperform, you know, it still has gaming as a favorable tailwind um, has a high quality game portfolio and, you know, solid game development plans. So I still think it can do, do pretty well given, given where it's at. Yeah. It, it, it crested to about 150. Again, this is a stock picked for this sampler when it was three years ago, it was at about 141. So it crests briefly after we picked it up to about 150 and then nosedived for the second half of 2018 as Fortnite got, really started to heat up. Nosedive from about 150 to about 75. It got cut in half in six months. It's been coming back ever since a little bit slowly. This is a bigger company. This is not like Zynga, which can acquire a, apparently a hyper-casual game. Have, have you hyper-casual gamed, by the way, I have me? not. No, I have not. My my kids may have, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and it, it probably can get expensive, uh, even though it's Merely casual, that's hyper casual. But uh, so this is a company that can't make a small acquisition like that, and and all of a sudden start to zing up or down. This is a bigger, steadier, slower mover, but certainly a, a long term outperformer. A company I'm very grateful that it exists, and I've enjoyed the FIFA game, even though I'm not that good at it or much of a soccer fan. So we'll hope for better things for Electronic Arts. Again, it's been pretty solid, except for the six months right after I picked it. <laughs> so uh, so here it is, just up 1%. Again, the market um, up about 60%. So that puts us at minus 59 in the hole with this first company. Let's now go from worst to best. And the best performer really happened to think that I picked this stock in July of 2018. Sunmeet, the ticker symbol M-E-L-I. The company, of course, Mercado Libre, a longtime Rule Breaker winner. One of those that we just keep adding to, even though it's already done really well. We add some more as it goes up. Back then, it was at $297.43 as the market closed on July 3rd, 2018. So $297. Today, $1,549 and change. It's been up more than five times in value. 421% gain against the market. 60 This has been a good antidote to EA's underperformance summit what the heck is happening in latin america wow all all i have to say is i i wish i didn't miss the boat on this one but it's been uh i'm kicking myself if you uh like to indulge in my pun there but um i I saw a fantastic (laughs) (laughs) i saw a fantastic quote by a long-term investor it kind of sums up the company best you know it said they said mercado libre's greatest virtue over the years was its ability to identify relevant trends early on adapt to them to local conditions and above all implement them at the right time with precision agility and skill so i thought that was mm. a great great snapshot of of what they've done and you know just over the sampler time period you know its growth can be attributed to covid tailwinds accelerating the shift towards online shopping and the company has transformed from a th- pure third-party marketplace to a leading e-commerce ecosystem and digital financial services platform in Latin America. Mm. 
you know, they increased their revenue 90% in 2020, and the number of buyers on the marketplace grew 40% to 65 million in the in the 12 months ended in March. Not only is it changing the way people shop, but it, it changes the way they pay with Mercado Pago, whose payment volume increased 75% to 50 billion last year. So mm. interestingly, in, two th- in 2018, it was estimated by Goldman that 40% of the company's value came from financial services, and now that's up to 60%. So, um, you know, while there's concerns that the growth could slow as the pandemic subsides, you know, they're committed to plowing back that money to capture market share, double its workforce, continue to invest in retail and financial services. You know, as more users and merchants join the ecosystem, it's going to lead to more monetization opportunities. And um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a beast. Very well expressed and very true. And I like the quote that you pulled as well. So I think that's that's excellent coverage of what Mercado Libre has done. In a sense, it's kind of a fast follower of Amazon in an area of the world that it dominates. And Amazon couldn't really establish that much of a foothold. Uh, eBay owned a good portion of Mercado Libre. Pretty sure they wish they'd held on to that. They sold that. They had some positioning there. But wow, what a wonderful performer this has been for just more than a decade for Rule Breaker members. If you're a Rule Breaker member, and Sami, you are, and it sounds like this one got away from you, but you know, I know you're kicking yourself, pun intended, thanks to my <laughs> friend Sami, who already made the joke. Uh, but the good news is none of us has to own any one given winner. And in fact, we're never going to own them all. One of my better stock picks, along with Carl Thiel, in Rule Breakers is Shopify. I've never owned any Shopify. I'm so glad so many Motley Fool members own Shopify and have benefited, but I still don't feel any Shopify envy because I'm really happy about how my money's been invested. We've done great with stocks like Mercado Libre, for example. So I don't think you can ever have them all, but thank you for sharing that. Well, Sami, let's look at the three that are in the middle. And uh, there's a pretty wide middle between a 1% gain EA and a 421% gain Mercado Libre. But we're looking here at you, Booking Holdings, up 8%, Dasso System, up 79%, beating the market, and Yandex, up 101%, also beating the market. So again, three different businesses, all related in some way, at least in my mind, to the World Cup. Booking with a dominant position, Booking.com, travel in Europe. Dasso System, well, I mean, they were French. They're a great French company, and the French won the World Cup. So that's where I was headed with that. And of course, Yandex, the search engine-based company, does other things besides, kind of like Mercado Libre, but focused on Russia, even though the company is domiciled outside of Russia. And of course, Russia hosting the World Cup, as you reminded me just before we came on air, Sanmeet. So that was some of the reasoning behind these companies. Do you want to pick up any of those stories and make us smarter? Yeah, absolutely. So booking, you would think, you know, wow, booking is the worst time company for a, a global pandemic. Um, but booking's so great. It's it's um, you know, its proposition was competitively list hotels and alternative accommodations on their same on the same page to offer you know superior experience for customers as they kind of uh, compete with some of the the rival pure play alternative accommodation companies such as Airbnb, which we which we know of yeah. for sure. Um, you know, booking was hit very hard during the pandemic. You know, at the, at its deepest despair, revenues were down over eighty percent. Um, it has a large mm. exposure to Europe, and you know, various like hot spots occurring all over the world and different vaccination trends all over the globe is making the recovery difficult um, for 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 booking. You know, however, you know it has a huge and global brand. It's all over. It has a highly variable cost structure with high exposure to this alternative accommodations that I mentioned. So it's been able to withstand some of the weakness um, from that. And there's going to be a huge, there's a huge pent up demand for 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 travel. And so I think they're they're going to capture that as we go forward. In fact, I was just on booking the other day looking for my first trip. <laughs> post-pandemic. So Excellent. I think it's going to be just fine. Glad to hear that. It, yeah, you're right. And wow, it, I mean, it, it is it is a big dog company and still kind of a worldwide leader at what it does. But what it does, as you just mentioned, hasn't been so easy to do business with for an extended period of time. So um, a company up only 8% over these three years. And I definitely wasn't able to predict anything about a coronavirus back as I was enjoying the World Cup in 2018. But I'm happy to say the company's kind of made it through to the other end. I, I hope we're near the other end and, and we should see business pick up again. Any thoughts to share before we close about Dasso System or Yandex? Well, Dasso System is actually interesting because it's, it's 
there's not really, I was looking and I was doing research and I didn't find too much actually to kind of guide me in what, why, you know, it's done what it's done. But what's, what's great about it is it's consistently grown revenues and some of its key metrics in, in new license sales and revenue from its 3D experience platform over the past three years has just grown at a steady clip over time. And it's acquired metadata solutions, which, which operates in clinical trial automation space and some other companies to kind of um, expand its verticals um, and into from aerospace, automotive, and other things that they do. So it's just just a nice one to point out because it's a steady grower that grew over time with not much going on in terms of news, and, and it's not one that people might even know about. But it's 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 performed well as a business over that time. Wonderful. All right. Well, take it all in all. Really happy to say that these five stocks celebrating the 2018 World Cup are beating the market, and very handily so. The market averages, as I mentioned, 59.7%. Since July 4th of 2018, these stocks average a 122.1% gain. That puts us about 62.5 percentage points per stock ahead of the market averages. So, yeah, we're still celebrating the 2018 World Cup. And speaking of which, this is one of those rare samplers, Sanmeet, that does not end after three years. Nope, because... We made it a World Cup cycle, right? So we're going to keep this one open for four years and revisit one more time. Perhaps I'll have you to do it with me a year from now, how these close out somewhere around July 4th of 2022. But anyway, for now, really happy to say that these five stocks, along with the other two samplers, all well ahead of the market averages, which I hope is testament not just to what I've always believed, which is that you can, whoever you are, you can beat the market averages. I realize not a lot of people even believe that, especially in academia, it still seems. You can, and here's the way to do it. By following our rule breaker principles and or follow right along with what we're doing at Motley Fool Rule Breakers, whether it's the samplers here through this podcast, as I've done over the last six years, or of course, the rule breaker service, which many of us work on. Of course, all the Motley Fool services, most of us are predicated on beating the market averages and have a transparent record of having done just that. So thank you, Sanmeet, for the magic dust that you've somehow sprinkled on these stocks even before you got to our company and for the work ahead. Speaking of work, I'm curious, having come from Wall Street, as you mentioned, you were working in New York, you were at a growth firm, you're at a value firm. What are one or two insights that you have having come from Wall Street to us here at Fool Street, reflecting on your past life? Maybe, maybe a good thing and a bad thing. I'm not asking you to tar and feather Wall Street at all. There's some very admirable things about Wall Street. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one and one of the reasons why I love The Fool and have been a member for so long is I actually have learned so much from uh, being a Fool subscriber and the newsletters and services that I've subscribed to about companies and stock picking. And I, I really feel and one of the reasons I joined the, uh, the company, uh, Motley Fool, is because you know, as an individual investor, you don't need to work on Wall Street. You can use the observations in the world, um, see what products and services are being used, see what your kids are doing, see what's happening to really make stock picks. And and one of the things I love about this sampler and all these samplers is that, you know, you can pick five things from a, of a theme that you like, like the World Cup. And, and as Mercado Libre showed, you have a, you know, five bagger almost, and that out, outperformed and helped your broader portfolio do well. So you had one pick that did phenomenally and the other pick still did good, but maybe some underperformed, but you had that one that did that did phenomenal and it it, it helped your portfolio overall. And so I think as a, a competitive advantage for fools everywhere is you are a fool, you are out there, you're, you're, you're observing what's, what's happening in the world. And I think you can be just as good a stock picker um, as anyone that's a pro. That's wonderful. You know, one of the things I loved about Peter Lynch and the spirit of his books, One Up on Wall Street, etc., was you can do this. That's what he wrote. He wrote to people, younger people like me, impressionable at the time, you can beat the market. And he had just done so over a very successful career with Fidelity and their Magellan Fund. And yet he wrote a book about all the disadvantages he suffered from. He had to keep constantly diversifying. That means he had to keep rebalancing away from his winners toward his losers, for example. And he could never allow a certain stock to grow beyond a certain percentage of his portfolio. These are are principles that make sense, 
but they're they're highly enforced and regulated, and that's something you you and I don't have to do. We can actually let our idiosyncrasies shine, and we can take a little bit more risk if that's appropriate for us, or less risk if that's appropriate for us. We can make it our own as individual investors. So I, I love that you get that spirit as a longtime full member yourself, Sanmeet, who's who's been practicing that as well. Well, thank you very much for the work you put in this week over a busy weekend, helping us understand five stocks celebrating the 2018 World Cup. Full on, my friend. Full on. All right. Well, as the smoke clears, let me first of all thank my talented analysts, Alicia Alfieri, again, Yasser El Shami, and Sanmeet Dio. A delight to spend that time. I know you had fun with each of them. And in order, five stocks for America, which Alicia reviewed, up 72% on average versus the market's 36%. So, a double of the market averages, a nice start for the first year. Five stocks that passed the snap test up 86% versus the market's 53. We'll keep our fingers crossed and keep snapping for another 12 months for that one. And then five stocks celebrating the 2018 World Cup, the market up 60%, those stocks up 122%. That's another double of the market averages. Really just outstanding performance with only one duplication, Axon popping in a couple of those. But Overall, you have a pretty good group of 15 companies that I feel just as good about today, I think, as I did back then. Well, a reminder as I say goodbye to you for this week, really rubbing my hands together for next week, having our first foolish NFL head coach come on the podcast, join me and tell his story using our framework story of your life in a few sentences at least. The stock graph of his life, if you were to trace it out on paper, speaking to some of the highs and the lows, and of course, the three key moments that have made him the investor that he is today. Looking forward to introducing my new friend to you next week. In the meantime, full on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rulebreaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.